This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's Blood Red, the verdict, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Darwin saves the day as the Reds flap at Fulham with Mohamed Salah's obligatory opening day effort, rescuing a point for Liverpool. Joining me to look back on the 2-2 draw down on the banks of the Thames, we have the Echo's Liverpool correspondent, Cool Paul Gorst. Gorst, you were down Riverside at Craven Cottage. I mean, first things first, what did you make of the opening day? First, first things first, Guy, is... Um... You've started introducing me as is it cool, Paul Ghost? Yeah, yeah. Like rather than tool, I thought yeah. I'd go with cool. I mean, I prefer, I prefer that, but I think that's a trace descriptions act, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. I, I, I mean, in terms of our panel, you definitely are the cool member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, well, it was a long day for for me and Dory yesterday. Uh, I think I left my house about six o'clock in the morning, got back at eight thirty at night, and. They're not, they're not as, uh, they're not as enjoyable when when Liverpool don't win. Let, let's just say it that way because um, it was an interesting one in terms of Liverpool just didn't look themselves at all. And normally when they, when they drop points, <clears throat> the other team have played out of the skin, and one or two decisions have gone against Liverpool, and and Liverpool still play largely like Liverpool, but. They just look completely a completely different team to the one that we've seen, you know, a few months ago, just just running down everyone in the path. Um, so much of it was off, you know, the the midfield pressing wasn't there. They just couldn't get the ball into the final third at all. And then when they did, it didn't really seem to stick. For Roberto Firmino was anonymous. Um, Diaz had a bit of a goal but didn't do too much. But. To a man, it was it was a really disappointing performance, and I thought Thiago wasn't wasn't great. Fabinho was was even worse. Henderson wasn't up to it. Um, and when you when you're a club questioning the attitude of the players after the game, that that's when you know it's a kind of red flag because, um, you know even when Liverpool don't win, they're still that Liverpool. They're still you know you, you can identify the way they play, the way they press, certain movements and patterns, and it just wasn't there at all. And um. It's uh, when when Klopp's you know questioning the attitude, you know that, that that's quite big for him because he never does that. You know, I, I can't think of any particular other game where he where he's questioning the players' kind of desire and, and application and whatever else. So, yeah, there's there's much to, to fix this weekend, and it's going to be a long what well eight days now, isn't it, until Palace? But yeah, it's um it was a forgetful afternoon, and uh, you know, in a season when every every point is massive, I think that. That could that's already put them on the on the back foot, hasn't it? I mean, I know City lost last season at the beginning to Tottenham, but uh, Liverpool are going to have to massively improve next week against Palace. Yeah, the phrase the phrase for me that that kind of came to mind is is undercooked. Really, it just didn't look as though Liverpool were, as you say, hitting the rhythm. That I mean, last week in the Community Shield, it looked like the rhythm was there through pre season. It looked like it was building to a point. I mean, Jurgen Klopp has even prior to the Community Shield spoken of, obviously on Sunday today that they are playing against Aston Villa a behind closed doors friendly game to continue to try and find that rhythm. But I'm sure, as you mentioned there, maybe a bit old school and it might be against Liverpool practices who knows in the modern day but in back in the day there would have been a few of those back in on the Sunday doing some running I'm sure because it just was lacklustre in the end it was <clears throat> um, I mean Liverpool still created probably enough chances to win the game but, but Klopp said yesterday in his press conference um, if they win the game he doesn't really learn anything from it 
and you just kind of moves on and you forget about it. But because they didn't win, it's something for them to dwell on, something for them to analyse, pick the bones out of a little bit more in depth this week. And I think that needs to be done because, um, you know, if they perform like that for the next few weeks, they're not going to pick up too many points. And, and you, you could even be talking about the title, you know, running away from them by start of October, which seems ridiculous, but that's how tight it is now between them and City. So, a lot to improve. Um, I didn't even think Fulham played particularly well. I mean, fair play to them. They've, they've got a really good, strong point to begin the season, but they just made it a bit of a dogfight, and Liverpool are normally so good at sidestepping that kind of opposition approach. They, they don't really tend to get involved in it, but this time they did, and they, they came out came up short. Um, and you mentioned the start of Nunes saving the day. I mean, he, he completely changed the game, to be fair to him. Um, I thought, you know, when he came on, Nicolas thought that they were going to go go on and win it. But then Joel Massive gives it away sloppily and Mitrovic wins the penalty. And then you're on the back foot again and you take it's you where you were 10, 10 minutes ago. And it was um, one rescue act too many. Yeah, I suppose Jordan Henderson had that effort at the end, didn't he, that, that hit the yeah. bar. But as you say, probably wasn't in keeping really with it, despite the chances Liverpool created. A lot of the downfall was their own doing. I mean, before we talk about Darwin Nunez, in terms of Fulham, you mentioned there, they, they probably didn't have to do all too much to get the point. It, it wasn't as though they were amazing. But on, on Friday's podcast, we were quite... We were quite naive, maybe, to just presuming Liverpool would come into this game and win it. Did we? You were obviously there. Did we underplay the significance of this was a record-breaking side coming up from the Championship? They were at home for the first game of the season. Following their last promotion, of course, it was all behind closed doors. So their supporters weren't there. Now, I'm not saying Craven Cottage creates a raucous atmosphere. Equally, I suppose there would have been that kind of extra bit of dare I say, momentum for Fulham on the opening day in front of their home support to try and put on a show and, and get something from it? Yeah, maybe we were guilty of underselling Fulham and, and what they did last season, all being in the Championship. But, we, I mean, I know I was certainly making me kind of predictions based on years of evidence of watching Liverpool. You very rarely see them, very rarely do not play well. Um, so, you know, hopefully they've... <clears throat> they've underperformed at the weekend and at Craven Cottage. You know, could easily be the end of the year before they, we see them play anywhere near as poorly because they're that kind of consistent these days. And, and they haven't actually lost in this calendar year, which is you know incredible. And you think <clears throat> we're coming into the, the second week of August. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe we did undersell Liverpool. We 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 and Doyle were coming back, coming back to um, to London, Houston yesterday, and he said to me. If you'd have offered me that at a half time, I think I'd have taken it. And I said, Do you know what? I actually wouldn't have. I, I would have still backed Liverpool there. And he said, oh, you've, been, you've been very optimistic lately, haven't you? And I said, Well, not really. It's just just the evidence of what you've seen over the years. You know, that, that counts for something. Um, the consistency, the results, the, the kind of volume of it all going back to 2018. Um, so maybe. Uh, Maybe I'm the eternal optimist, but I'm just going off. You know the the evidence of Liverpool being who they are, playing against the team who, who's just come up. But it wasn't to be. It was um, a really bit disappointing performance, to be honest. Yeah, you said at, at the top it was a long day. I, I got a text as soon as I think Fulham scored their second goal, saying you will need to start listening to me more on the pod from a certain Ian Doyle. I was going to ask how many times did he tell you on the way home yesterday? Look, I was right, albeit he predicted a Liverpool win. 
Do you know what? His, his, his pessimism isn't based on anything. Now he, he wouldn't have. He wasn't going into that game. Going, I've seen loads of Fulham that really get at you. The Eskins Cabana on the right and Mitrovic up front, and you know it, it's not based on anything like that, is it? So I'm not having that one from Doyle. No. Um, you know, it's. But his, his, his theory is, yeah, his his theory is it's it's a year of transition for Liverpool. And it it won't all be rosy, but we'll have to wait and see exactly how that is. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. One thing that definitely looked rosy was the the impact Darwin Nunez had on the game. And it begs me to say, Gorsty, off the back of coming off the bench against City in the Community Shield and scoring and scoring on his Premier League debut too, is it going to be sooner rather than later we see him in that starting eleven? given actually how quickly he looks to have, have gelled and, and Klopp spoke in pre-season of getting the understanding for his runs and playing with a focal point? Looks as though he's been in that team for a good while already. Yeah, he, he has to start now for me. I think uh, Roberto Firmino did his his claims absolutely no good at all yesterday. He was anonymous. And when he, when Firmino has those types of games, you can't really see what he's bringing to the team. Difference, it may be Jota's having an off day because he's, he's he's having a little bit more of a go. He seems to be working harder and he has the odd snapshots that perhaps just goes wide or whatever. He just looks a little bit more of a threat. And, uh, and Nunes in particular thought... He completely turned the game. Then as soon as he came on, there was that presence up front. He wasn't dropping off 20, 25 yards like Firmino wasn't looking to, to play little triangles and Liverpool needed to get up the pitch and get in the opposition box and that's what they hadn't done for, for 50 minutes. So as soon as he came on, it just completely turned the game. And, and when he missed the first one with the back heel, I was thinking, OK, Liverpool have got the measure of this now that it will come. And then they got the equaliser and I thought, they're going to go on and win this and then we'll just... Forget about it and, and move on, but um, it wasn't to be. But I, I think he, he has to start. He, you know, we could have had an attic yesterday. He, he just looks not. I mean, he's clearly got the rough edges. Um, he hasn't come on and he hasn't had a ten out of ten game, but he's got an assist and he's got a goal. But in a kind of scruffy Nunesy type of way, you know, the assist for Salah, he's, he's trying to control on himself and just kind of stumbles and Salah sticks it away and. For the goal, you know, it's a clever little idea, but it might even come off as a Kenny Tetter hit the back post. So it's a strange one in terms of he's done what's asked of him, but he's not doing it in that kind of polished manner. The loose loose touches are still there. They need to be tightened up. Um, But while he is working on all that, he seems to be a real goal threat. So um, he has to start for me next week. Like you say, it's one of those, though, isn't it? He, he occupies the areas of the pitch where even yeah. if he, he miscontrols it, it could fall to somebody else to stick away, like happened with, with Salah. I thought he linked well with Luis Diaz as well. Diaz, of course, he, he had that offside goal in the first half where Robertson was a mile offside, which I just don't understand why the flag didn't go up in that situation. But he then hit the post as well, didn't he, Diaz, in, in the first half. Then, as you say, probably drifted out of the game a bit until Nunes came on and it was his headed down for him and the volley that was was blocked for, for Luis Diaz that actually, again, Darwin Nunez occupies defenders and whether the ball bounces down off him intentionally with a knockdown or a miscontrol, you've got the likes of, of Luis Diaz and, and Salah there ready to react. And that's exactly what they're there in those those forward areas to do. So you would guess it it probably have to be sooner rather than later that he is given the nod to go through the middle and, and certainly start a game. And maybe Crystal Palace will offer that opportunity for him. Yeah, um, there was one, wasn't there, where he nodded it down to Diaz and, and the Fulham defenders just accepted that he was going to win it and just kind of anticipated the knockdown and eventually... 
got the block in. I think it was just wide for for a corner. But I said on Friday about Diaz, he, he needs to start turning those chances into, into goals a little bit. Um, last season, it was kind of a little bit, you know, he came in mid-season and Liverpool were already you know, flying with, with the three up front, Jota, Mane and Salah. So it was just like an, an added kind of um, bonus, if you like. So when he was doing these little things, it was like, oh, you know, what a player Liverpool have got here. I'm looking forward to seeing him next season. Um, but now we're probably in the in the position where he's in the post there and you need that to go in. Um, just needs to start kind of... I mean, it's easier said than done, of course, but I think Klopp mentioned there, you know, once his full shooting range gets, you know, in play, then we'll start to see more of, of what he can do. And those are the perfect examples, I think, of, of what Klopp was talking about. He was unlucky. It was a great shot across the goal on his left foot and at the outside of the post, but just turning those into into goals as opposed to as at the post or, or it's just wide, great save from the keeper, whatever it is. Um, then we'll start, you know, because Liverpool's from somewhere are going to have to, you know, make up for the shortfall of losing Mane, aren't they? So that's possibly something that they can look at. But um, certainly Nunes, for me, um, it might look a little bit unorthodox and a bit loose and ragged at times, but he's in there making things happen. And, um, you know, he's already, we have a couple of community shield, he's up to two already this season. So two pins off the bench, two goals. <clears throat> he couldn't really have done much more. So uh, I'd be giving him the nod that's... Um, or for Palace next week. Yeah, let's wait and see how that goes. Final point on, on this game, uh, in terms of Thiago having to come off, he obviously came off at the same time Firmino came off due to injury. We don't know the length or severity of the injury, but is it going to fully depend on that, that if if Liverpool are to move in the transfer market? Klopp said after the game, didn't he? He doesn't want to panic. He doesn't want Liverpool to, to just go into the market for the sake of it. But equally, that midfield question mark continues to hang. It does. Um, <clears throat> I'm a bit torn now because I can see Klopp's point of view in terms of why would we sign a central midfielder when um, the players who he's going to be deputising for are injured for weeks. But by the same token, <clears throat> he's already got three injured. Um, a stress stress fracture, I think, or something. Klopp called Curtis Jones's injury to his calf. Um, so it wouldn't be a fracture, but he definitely mentioned stress. Yeah, you know, however long that keeps you out for, he was in a protective boot at the Strasbourg game that didn't look too good, even if it was just a precaution. Oxley Chamberlain hasn't played since Singapore, um, so even if he, he comes back, you know, 100% straight away, he's still got to work up that fitness. And then Thiago, it's <clears throat> you know, he's, he's not even get through the first game of the season before his first injury, so yeah, I'm a bit torn. Um, <clears throat> I can't see the merits in people saying that they, they like a midfielder. Then again, you're looking at it in two months' time and everyone's back fit. And you think, well, you, you know, we've got too many options, if you like. But I suppose but he, that's I not really... Say, I was just going to say on the midfield point in that, there's, there's what, 16 Premier League games, six Champions League and, and one Carabao Cup games. So that's what 20-odd games that Liverpool still have to, to fit in before they go for the winter break or for the World Cup break. Other side of that, you're going to have players, as it stands, like Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain into the final six months of their contracts. You might have others, the likes of Thiago, the likes of Henderson, who might go away to the World Cup. Despite not playing too much, they will be away. They might even pick up Knox whilst they're away on international duty, where actually Liverpool could already, I suppose, kind of do a bit of a Luis Diaz thing of buy next season's midfield player now, like they almost did with, well, pretty much did with Thiago, 
bed him in now because actually that second half of the season could be quite invaluable. And if the injuries are already stacking up, they don't want to lose ground. Yeah, the Thiago one's probably the precedent, isn't it? In terms of where Liverpool are now. Buy, buy your player you want next season for now. I think, don't think it was any secret that Thiago was the genie one album replacement and just happened to play in the same team for, with him for a year. Um, maybe that's a similar comparison with Oxley chamberlain per se, you know, into the last, or even Cater, into the last 12 months. Um, maybe Liverpool could look to do something there. I don't, I, I, as Klopp says, I don't think they'll panic. I don't think they ever do, but... Um, you know, we're, we're still technically in the first weekend of the Premier League season and the have already got four midfielders out. And OK, Caters is only an illness, but didn't train all week last last week. So he, he's got to get back up to speed. And I'd say there, Oxley Chamberlain hasn't played for a while. And Jones, not too sure on the severity of his. And Antiago didn't look good, did they? Hamstring, by the looks of it. So, yeah, it's, it, it's already... <laughs> Bit bit of a doom and gloom weekend for Liverpool there. Not much has seemed to have gone right for them. No, certainly not. Well, we will be back tomorrow. And before we return, just to to plug what we have got coming up, mentioned on Friday's podcast, Gorsley, we've got a special guest joining us, none other than Liverpool's assistant manager. Yeah, Pep Linders coming coming down to, to chat to us, isn't he? At Tutorial uh, Fifty One, where we spoke to Jimmy Carragher at the at the end of the Premier League season. If uh, season blood red listeners remember that one, so. Yeah, looking forward to, to chatting to him. He's obviously got a brand new book out, Intensity, and we've had a chance to have a sneak peek of it, haven't we? It, uh, it is fascinating, you know, tactical kind of insights of the the inner workings of Liverpool. And uh, the thing I like about the book is it's all fresh. It's not, you know, recounting the memoirs that are decades old. Um, you know, he's literally written it the weeks within it, the season, finishing the season, the fans still remember so uh, so freshly. So, yeah, looking forward to, to chatting to him and... Uh, you might even have a little Tiago update while we're there. Yeah, most certainly. Right, look forward to that. We'll see you at Trutoria 51, Gorstein. To you listening and watching, do hope you can join us. But from myself, Guy Clark and Paul Gorst, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.